There's no one any better. Thank you. Mr. Riley? Dr. Kessel, your faith in Dr. Hill's surgical talent is obvious. And completely deserved. Dr. Kessler, seven months ago, the position of Chief of Surgery became available at Mass General. Did Jed Hill seek this position? Yes, he did. Did you give the position to Jed? Excuse me. My client's name is Dr. Hill. Forgive me, did you award the position to Dr. Hill? No. Why not? Well, he was certainly qualified. But you didn't give him the job. There were many other candidates. Surgeons more qualified? This isn't a trial, Mr. Riley. Dr. Kessler, during Dr. Hill's residency at Mass General, he wrote several quarterly evaluations. Evaluations would be read and reviewed by hospital administrators, department heads. Yes. I'm looking at one right now, dated June 15, 1982, and bearing your signature. It's coming around. I'd like to read from page three, paragraph four. While Jed Hill consistently remains the most skilled and the brightest of our residents, we should not ignore what I and several of his colleagues observed to be an indulgence of the God complex. God complex? That's not a typo, is it? It says God complex. That was written a decade ago. What's a God complex? How did you get this information? This is privileged Dr. information. Kessler, what's a God complex? It's a term that has no clinical meaning or, uh, at all. Doctors throw it around and... Sir, all due respect, but knock it off. What did you mean in this evaluation when you said Dr. Hill had a God complex? The power to heal can be an enormous thing. An enormous thing. To save a life, to get blood flowing into cells and vital organs, if a person can do that, and if one can do it as exceptionally as Dr. Hill, it's not uncommon for a person like that to begin to believe that he can do anything. The power to heal can be like a drug. Like a drug, you say? Would it be uncommon for a person with a God complex to reject the advice of others? No. Would it be uncommon for such a person to proceed on a course that others might reject, if only out of a sense of godlike power? Oh, I think now you're vastly overstating. Is that why you didn't give Dr. Hill the job? There were a number of other factors. Is that why you removed a healthy ovary without any scientific diagnosis? Don't you address my client, Mr. Riley. Do you have a God complex? This is not acceptable. No, no, let him address me. Jed? No, no, it's about time I got to give some answers here. Stop typing. This is off the record. The question is, do I have a God complex? Dr. Kessler says yes. Which makes me wonder if this lawyer has any idea as to the kind of grades one has to receive in college to be accepted at a top medical school. If you have the vaguest clue as to how talented someone has to be to lead a surgical team. I have an MD from Harvard. I am board certified in cardiothoracic medicine and trauma surgery. I have been awarded citations from seven different medical boards in New England, and I am never, ever sick at sea. So I ask you, when someone goes into that chapel and they fall on their knees and they pray to God that their wife doesn't miscarry, or that their daughter doesn't bleed to death, or that their mother doesn't suffer acute neural trauma from post-operative shock, who do you think they're praying to? Now, go ahead and read your Bible, Dennis, and you go to your church, and 
with any luck, you might win the annual raffle. But if you're looking for God, he was in operating room number two on November 17th, and he doesn't like to be second-guessed. You ask me if I have a God complex? Let me tell you something. I am God. And this sideshow is over. conversation here for you today uh, a friend I've made through the I've made I've made it somewhere up to probably 20 good friends through this crazy corona period um, most of them are virtual only but uh, uh, one of our listeners recommended that because our guest today uh, Celia is such a fascinating story and perspective and she's got enough life experience to share quite a bit of wisdom. So I'll cue that up in one second. Um, but first, I just want to tie the intro, which was the movie Malice with Alec Baldwin, which is probably the best speech and take ever on the God complex. But I, I, the movie was coming to me because our last episode, we were talking about um, elitism and the foibles around elitism. And I believe God complex is one of them. And so I, I don't want to take too much time to explore these concepts. I just want to cue them up, um, let them percolate, and explore them in a future episode. But basically, in a nutshell, what I believe is happening is you've got elitists that believe, that like to believe they're flawless. And there's a couple of kind of common mechanisms they use to distract from their flaws because, of course, we're all human <laughs> at a fundamentally flawed equal level. And, um, and so one of the tricks they pull to distract from their flaws is projection. So they'll blame the accuser, blame the free speecher, blame, blame the one speaking out against, against their views and their decisions and their actions. Um, and then the other one is they will actually create distractions. So false flags or uh, they'll hire revolutionaries like um, BLM or Antifa to create a distraction, again, to project away from their own, their own flaws. Um, that's, that's the kind of the, the, the thought that I'd like to explore over the next two or three episodes. But this conversation with Celia is rich. Um, mostly, my my interest was mostly we. She and I have had some great chats about the what's happening between the different cultures, the USA culture and more traditional cultures. Hers is Mexican, but I've I've had um, lots of experience in their Arabic cultures, which are also extremely traditional in many ways, and so. Uh, we brought her in to explore her the contrast of the experience she's had working as an emergency nurse in Texas, as well as her down-home traditional community culture back in Mexico, which is, there's many, many gringos uh, 
retiring, vacationing, and moving to Mexico now. So there's there's um, kind of a more pronounced integration happening between these cultures at the moment. So there were many different, besides the health experience, there were many different cultural contrast topics that uh, I wanted to explore. And I think Celia shared a very rich um, perspective on it all. Now, we did have a slight technical glitch. So I'm going to leave it mostly for Celia. I think most of the questions I'm asking her are going to be obvious by her answers. But if it's never un if it's ever unclear, I will just dub in the question I ask. Because for some reason, my mic, even though she could hear me, my mic wasn't recorded. All right, thanks. Uh, Please enjoy the conversation with Celia, and we will be back in a week. Oh, I don't want to leave out um, Dr. E. Michael Jones is, is the closing comment at the end with his views. We, Celia and I wrap up by talking about promiscuity and how it, how it differs between a traditional culture and the term we're using now, a modern culture or liberated culture. Um, and Dr. Jones finishes off with his view uh, he had a recent debate about uh, pornography, how it's harmful for free cultures. It's not liberating. Um, so I, I wanted to capture his comments and views on that as well. So enjoy. I think it's going to be quite a bit smoother if we just let Celia talk. You'll, you'll get the gist of the themes and the questions if we just let Celia talk. Um, but I'll just tell you kind of the shape of the conversation. We first started by talking about how we met. We met in a Telegram chat where she got really ganged up on and attacked by a group of, I assume, millennials <laughs> um, for being an emergency nurse during corona and the harm that emergency wards were doing to patients. Of course, there's merit in, in that, but it wasn't a nice back and forth. It was, it was a gang up situation. So that's how we actually connected and, and we've become friends ever since actually. But uh, so then we talked about how the indigenous culture in Mexico is nicely integrated with Mexico compared to uh, many, many nations and how they treat their indigenous uh, people. She says um, there's a lot of room for improvement there. But what I, my experience was it was incredibly harmonious, the respect that the Mexicans were showing the indigenous people for their crafts, for their natural health, for their remedies for many of their um, modalities. So she ex explains her experience with that and, and how, it, how it can end up um, in conflict with Western medicine as well. And then when we start talking about the, the cultures, the modern culture, quote unquote, and the traditional cultures, we talked about, like my, I've had it two or three or four times this year where it's clear to me that the modern culture only sees one one way. It, the, there's the right way and there's the wrong way, and the right way is modern. Even though <laughs> the modern culture is self-destructing right now, it's very, very clear the value systems in the most modernized, if you can say that, uh, states are are self-destructing right now. They're, they're in complete uh, state control, uh, overbearing, so government overreach. And they're finding themselves fleeing to traditional cultures, uh, partly for economics, but the reason the traditional cultures becomes a solace for these people, um, myself included, 
is that you're drawn to these traditional communities. It's even happening from state to state as well. You're drawn to these smaller, more traditional communities that have more faith, more sense of belonging, uh, more values. Um, it's just more structured. And so that was kind of the second half of the conversation. All right, so enjoy. Um, we'll let Celia share her perspective. Everything has been great for us. Uh, we threw, uh, I told you we threw a, a party for my father-in-law's 80th birthday. So everything was really good. It, it was amazing. We do. I think we have had parties like there at least every two a week this, in December with music and everything, with bands. Still in process. Still in process. We're really going to start building the house. Uh, my base now is still in the state state of Michoacan, and uh, where my my um, my husband grew up here in the community. It's a small community, like maybe 150 to 200 homes. No, no. Well, actually, it's my husband's home state, but uh, my my grandmother was from here too, so my roots are from here. Very nice. I've been in Pascuaro like two times only. I, I didn't just you know to the shops, and I bought some chocolate and stuff like that. That's all. Well, actually, it was by accident because I have to confess I'm not into cryptocurrency and I'm very, very ignorant about cryptocurrency. Uh, I just know like money, like tangible money, and uh, no. So uh, somebody told me about because I was asking about um, on the Facebook group of the expats. I I went into that page in in Morelia, so I was asking about. Uh, people that didn't like vaccines or something like that. And they said, you should check out this website. So I went, I went into the Freedom Cell, Cell Group that belonged to Robin. And then from there, they told me to go into the Dollar Vigilante. Somebody told me to go in, but I honestly, I thought it, I didn't even know what it was. So I just was there by accident. <laughs> I left. Of course, I left. <laughs> I left that that chat a long time ago. I, I think so. I I think so. Well, I. You mean about my really ugly experience? Well, I thought they were extremely aggressive, and I I, I wasn't used to that at all. I am in chat. Uh huh. M maybe exactly. I okay. I realized that there's a lot of people there that live a virtual reality. And I don't, I don't even, I, I'm assuming they are like either teenagers or extremely young and aggressive because um, I've been a nurse for more than 10 years and working, I mean, in the hospitals, of course. And um, I realize the system is, is not necessarily about healing people. I realized years after I, I be, had become a nurse, I realized that. Uh, and uh, they were... They were talking about uh, coronavirus being uh, fake or being, I, I can't remember what they were saying. And I, and I responded, me naively, not understanding the dynamic of the groups and the, the kind of people that are in those groups. I said, well, it's not fake because I work in the hospitals and I've seen these people, how sick they are. They come in, I mean, they come in short of breath, they can't breathe, and um, they have to get intubated, which we do not give the orders for intubation. We nurse the nurses. We don't even intubate. It's doctors, the anesthesiologists that come and intubate, or the ER doctors, uh, or in ER, they intubate. Uh, so they started t attacking me 
saying that I was guilty, that I was killing patients, that I was intubating, I was killing patients, that I was going to uh, be punished. Um, just just that, that, it, that it was fake. They were saying that it was fake. And I was like, mm, I mean, there's no way it's fake. I, whatever it is, there's something going on, you know, because we will see the lungs. They will literally like are white out. They are destroyed on, the, on some of these patients and then they die. So they, I, I see it firsthand. I've seen it firsthand. I worked uh, for the first year of the coronavirus. I worked on the COVID units. I saw how many patients died. I, I, we were having even eight codes a night, eight code blues. So that's, that's I mean, we never seen that before. We, were, we thought even me and my, my coworkers, we will say, we think we're living a horror movie. And uh, so these, these people, you know, they, they you kind of were calling me a liar, uh, a, a bunch of, I mean, ugly, like, oh my gosh, I've never been attacked like that by people that don't even know who I am. They don't know my background. They don't know. No, it's because I never, I've never experienced this, this lack of respect towards someone you don't even know. It's a total lack of respect and disregard of your, my dignity. I couldn't believe my ears, my eyes, why I just couldn't understand. So, um, but I, I learned my lesson. I'm never, I'm never, I'm, I, I mean, I'm never going into those groups anymore. But, um, but you know, you know what? It also made me really mad that uh, some nurses, I don't know where, they were posting like dances in the hospitals that they were dancing. I don't know if you've seen that. You've seen that probably. That was not it. That was not what I lived. What we lived was extremely different. Uh huh. I don't have nurses here. I mean, friends. I I have a I have I mean, a couple of family members that are doctors here, and yes, the same thing was happening here. The same thing was happening here. I mean, there was a lot of people that died too. A lot of people that died in 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 many countries. Like whatever they want to think, they are they are living a virtual reality. I'm I'm. I mean that's all I can say. They 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 are li- reading reading you know, online. Yes, and, and yes, and that's true. And and on the on I mean I'm not trying to defend the doctors, but I can tell you that I know a lot of these doctors for many many years. So they were really trying to do what they thought it was the best at the moment. Later they changed the protocols. They tried really not to intubate because even if the patient was starting at 70, I mean, eight, I mean, sorry, 85%, 80%. That's when they really push for intubation, but they, they let them that because they realized that intubation wasn't the best thing that it is probably, you know, a dead sentence. They realized that later, like months after what, after what they lived. It's exactly. 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 And, and I can tell you that we were using um, Plaquenil and we were using Iver- Ivermectin in the hospitals. But then some, some, something happened and they told the whole doctors, I guess they told the doctors don't use it because they stopped using it. But the doctors were prescribing that. That was their, what they were doing at the beginning. And then somebody said, oh, no, probably came up, of course, from orders high above and they stopped using it. Which now we know it was proven that it was helping people. But at times they tie the doctor's hands, they tie them up. And this is little what they can do. 
Honestly, honestly, no, 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 because I, I, I happened to be in the hospital where I had been for years and I know them. I know the, I know these people for many years and I may, maybe some doctors don't, are not the more caring doctors, but I've never seen them intentionally like kill a patient or do something like they, they really try. So they were, they were really, they didn't know what they were facing with this virus. They didn't know what they were facing. They were like puzzled. What what are we doing here? They were lost. Exactly. I've never I've never watched it. Yes, yes. Oh wow. Yes, yes. No, and I and I have seen that. I've seen that, but I I mean not necessarily with a COVID, but I've seen it before. I've seen it before where they give a drug and the patient dies and nobody says anything. Nobody that I know, I, I know that has happened and I've seen it. No, the first year uh, I started working in the COVID unit since it started. So we didn't have a vaccine, of course. Then uh, that's, I, it started maybe in March, 2020 in Texas, the COVID. Then the vaccine I think was available all the way until maybe the October, December. And uh, they were, because I will see people lining up outside the house. I mean, in, in the hospital, li lining up everybody, like especially the elderly for their vaccines, for the COVID-19 vaccines. They were not pushed on us because first I was agency. Um, and they, so they, 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 the hospital was offering already to their nurses. So for thank god for me they didn't they didn't demand the vaccine and they haven't demanded it yet um but we have not administered vaccine we have never administered the covid-19 vaccines in the hospital it, it, no this is not happening it's not happening it's, it's happening outside in the clinics or in the hospital like in the hospital clinic where they outpatient but not us in on the floors no, no, i had never seen it oh my gosh it it does break my heart too, and and I used to be very vocal, Neil, until I understood that the level of consciousness and awareness of of every individual is different, and when they have the right to evolve at their own pace, just like we did, because I didn't think like this when I was twenty years old. I was dumb, and I believed the system. <laughs> yes, I agree. Exactly. Exactly, and that's where and that's where the the love that you show to that your neighbor should be, you know, showing that that you respect that person. I mean, yes, it hurts to know that they are making the wrong decision, but it is what it is. Exactly, I agree. I agree, a hundred percent. Thank, thank you very much. Well, I I was born and raised in the north of Mexico, and. Um, I never even thought about moving to the U.S. ever. So I felt comfortable in my, my country. But then when I was um, maybe like 20, I met someone from the U.S. And then uh, I ended up getting married to that person. I moved to Texas. Later, uh, yes, he was a Mexican-American. So he, uh, we ended up getting a divorce years later. Uh, and... Um, that's it. Then I later I remarried, and then my husband is from Mexico. He's originally from Mexico, and uh, but we both share that idea of uh, um, 
we we value good food we value um, a clean life um, more organic you know organic life um, not with a, with a not with a strong presence of government we are not anarchists in any way shape or form we respect the that authority but we just don't want the government to submit us too much or be on top of us it, that's one of the things that i that i don't don't like too much about um the us that you have so many restrictions for everything like even if you have land you have so many restrictions and also the the cost of the taxes so that's why we decided to that we were going to establish our home in mexico and um and then just have live off grid, have our chickens, goats for milk and or horses, you know, everything like that. So because we have a I have a son, a young son, and I want him to grow up in this kind of environment. And uh I grew up in an ultra conservative environment and that's what I feel comfortable with. I think it's it, that's what raises the best children, a conservative environment. Well, I think um I, I do. I personally have the utmost respect for the indigenous cultures because they 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 are my own culture in a way. Because of obviously we are a mixed culture of uh, of the Spaniards with indigenous people, so we have a lot of both. And um, but I think we still have a way to go to to treat the indigenous people even better as far as not for them because I feel at times I feel that they are still marginated. Uh, they uh, they maybe don't have the best schools, you know. They are still impoverished, so I think Mexico still has a long way to go. But but we, I mean, we understand that they had we have they have an in in measure. I mean, the value they have in our culture is in it's you can't even measure it. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Well, yes. Well, the thing is that the thing is that a lot of our food comes from indigenous, their indigenous uh, cuisine. You know, like most of, I mean, I will say, ninety percent of our food is indigenous. You know, uh, we are called we call ourselves the children of the corn because we grew up with corn. I mean, everything is corn, but it comes from the indigenous comes from them uh, tamales everything comes from the indigenous the aztecs the mayas the old the old olmecas um uh, purepechas you know um i am i am very happy that they they still speak like 69 69 different languages plus spanish so i'm very very happy that the colonization of the spaniards even though they kill millions and millions of indigenous people they didn't kill them all. We still have a lot of tribes. And that's what makes, for me, that's what makes our my country uh, rich, you know, all those tribes and all their knowledge because they have a lot of knowledge in medicine and herbs and they heal themselves. They don't, they don't, they don't even need doctors. They heal themselves. They have their chamans. They have, you know, and I think that's very valuable. I, I love that. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So they. It's. it's uh huh. No. I, I, still, I mean, Mexico. A lot of people still have a lot of faith in, in, um, 
they believe in a lot of things that I've seen that in other Western cultures they don't. Like they have faith in in healing mod- in healing uh, en- in energy, in healing energy, in, in in other different modalities of healing. They we still have a lot of faith in that, and and I I I really like that a lot. Instead of using you know surgery or medication or invasive things for the body. No, I'm in. I'm not in a little bit of conflict. I'm in a lot of conflict, Neil, <laughs> because. Because I'm I'm actually trying to get out of the of the allopathic medicine because I realized it's quackery. I, I mean now I know, I know it's quackery. If I at times go and work for a month or two, like I did last year, is because just to get a little bit of income. But I feel I I have to be honest. I have I feel like a hypocrite because I don't believe in it anymore. I don't take medications anymore. I don't. We don't go to doctors. We never go to doctors. So I'm trying to really get out of it and start like something because we do i practice therapy with magnets which is extremely healing that's how we heal we heal for for many for years now with it and we use other things we use nutrients uh like i said energy and um that's that's really my passion to help maybe establish something later that uh, in the near future where i'll help people with nutrients and with healing different healing modalities so i'm on i'm i'm working on it <laughs> ah okay yeah probably yeah because it's, it's such a big city and more you know it, 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 no a hundred percent but you know what i at times it's it, it it is sad that we cannot see who we are who we really are because they have us too distracted, Neil. First of all, with the, with the TV, all the media, throwing all the stuff at us constantly, all the advertisements. You know, if you have uh, anything, you know, diarrhea, whatever, go get this medication. They don't never teach you to wait, think, why will I have this? What's going on? What did I eat? What did I think? Did I, did I have a stressful event? How are my emotions? Why am I sick? Like they don't teach you that because then they it's, it's all about money. If you understand your power, then they lose too much money. They, they they can't control you because you understand you can heal. You can heal yourself. You don't need a doctor because your your body is your doctor. A hundred percent. I I agree exactly, and that makes me so happy because I believe that we all. Our sisters and brothers. We're all, whether you live in India or China or in the US or Mexico or Canada, it doesn't matter. At the end, we are all together. So the more people that are awakened, the more people that understand who we are, the, the, it's amazing. You know, the less people that are asleep and the less people that suffer. Well, I can tell you that when I was growing up in the, here in Mexico, I I went to to private schools run by by the Catholic Church by nuns, and I I had a very good experience. I mean, I it was conservative. I think it was a very sheltered uh, environment, and I really appreciate that now that I look back as an adult. So. I just think having those, you know, expectations set 
by a by a religion or by a, a church i think i i don't think it's bad at all i think it's a good thing to have faith to inculcate um some parameters of a conduct and behavior to the child and to the society i i think it's a good thing i'm not i'm not i don't belong to any uh organized religion anymore i used to but um i think it's it's a good thing to teach or 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 children the faith yeah sorry no 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 i was i was telling you that yes i agree i agree with you 100% because the christian values it's it's sacrifice and love it's mainly you, i don't know if you agree with me but it's sacrifice and love and you you put put others in front of you before you put yourself first so i i understand exactly what you're saying Okay, I'm gonna give you an example. There's a there's a lady here in the community, and uh, she's Western. She moved here to the community, and uh, it, it to me her life is interesting in a way that she when she got a divorce from her husband, the as as soon as the daughter was 18, she got a divorce. She left and she traveled all over the place. Now the daughter is probably in, in her 30s. And uh, now she's going to have a baby, but she feels that she, she was replaced by, by her daughter's mother-in-law. And now I was, I'm, I'm here thinking, of course, you were replaced because you were not there for, for her. And I'm not, I mean, it's her life, you know, whoever wants to do whatever they want with their life. But it's like, if you're not there, somebody's going to replace you and you, and, 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 and if for her, so it, for me, it's obvious that for her, it was more important to travel the world than to be there for her daughter. But but the thing, Neo, is that they have they, this book. I mean, I don't want to offend anybody, but it seems that there's a lot of people that haven't understood the hidden agenda. But the hidden agenda is to destroy the family. Exactly. And one thing that... Um, well, from what I read and from from what I understand is everything pretty much started with a feminist movement. And I think you you will agree with me that uh, it was sponsored by the Rockefellers so they could uh, send the women to work, tax them, and then um, send, take the children away at an earlier age. And then for them, the children to see the, the school as a family and do extend the school to 4, 4 p.m. or something, you know, versus like here in Mexico, school like for kindergarten is only two hours. The U.S. is like four, five, six, I don't know. But for, for older kids, children, it's like here it's at one thirty. That's the latest that you go home. In the U.S. it's usually 4 p.m. I think it gave me a... Um, me as a person it made me see things differently um, and it also made me it really made me appreciate even more my family my culture uh what i have concentrate on what i have not on what I, on what i don't have. exactly and to me if if you ask me what's first is my profession or my family without hesitation i will tell you i will leave my profession anytime because I can do so many things in life that can that can uh, be combined with my family. 
you know, like maybe I can work from home. You know, I, I don't I don't have a doubt in my life, in my mind that because my family, it's to me, is the most important thing in the world. It's because you're so replaceable at work. They are, they don't, they don't really care. I'm sorry to say it, but they will replace you in a heartbeat and uh, nobody can replace me here at home. I'm the only mom my son has and I'm the only wife. So, and I, I hope women are not fooled to believe that the careers are first because the career is not going to hug you or be there for you at, at your deadbed. No, here, and I, and I, you know, I, I, I feel really sorry for, for males in the Western world. And I, like I said, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just trying to tell you what I've seen from my, from my perspective. I think males in the Western world are, are under attack. Just like women, we have been under attack. We've been deceived, uh, thinking that you have to be liberated, liberated from, you know, from the oppressions of being a housewife or being a mother, or breastfeeding, you know. Okay, so, which was never oppression. It was a, a labor of love, like you said before. That's what it was. Exactly, exactly. You're, abs you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So so it's it's been pure brainwashing. And like an aunt, I, I, one of my aunt, and I think I told you this before, my aunt, she's very, uh, she's a teacher, but she's here in Mexico. She's very uh, uh, conservative. And she told me one time, she said, it's, she said, the, the feminist movement and the women's liberation, what kind of liberation was that? It was a liberation for men because now we have to work double. We have to go to work, uh, have a job and then come back home and then have a second job. So it really the liberation, or at least the, in, in Latin American countries, it was more for males because now we have to work more because we still in Latin, Latin American countries, we still have to come, we still cook, we still do all these things, you know, that women is expected to do. So it, it was really, like I said, it was just pure brainwashing about the females liver with feminist uh, movement. And, uh, and now the attack is, is really on males. I remember uh, when I, I, I first got to the U.S. when I was younger, there was a show called, I believe, Married with Children. And I don't, I think the character, the main, one of the main characters, the name was Al, the husband, and the wife was Peggy. And what, it was so interesting that Peggy was always like smart. And Al was always dumb. So I, I, it can, I mean, just looking at that, it can tell you that the agenda was to push that idea that males are dumb and they, you don't have to respect them. You know, and he was a father. Exactly. So, so this, this, this was Al that nobody really res gave him a lot of respect. And uh, so I, I just... Back then, I just felt so so sorry for him, and I didn't understand the agenda. But now, if you look at a lot of shows, that's the that's the pretty much the what they do. Males are not yeah. exactly exactly. And uh, I I where I grew up, uh, my gosh, my father had the utmost respect, utmost, and and all the males still still now. 
we my husband has the utmost respect from the family my father-in-law like males still have the respect they they have they have very defined roles still here in mexico well at least especially in in more rural mexico very very defined roles like here in the community the women still stay home and they 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 obviously cook for the family they they are there for the children um cleaning cooking and I never hear anybody complain about the role. It's like they are happy. <laughs> they don't want to go to work. They don't want. They don't want to go to work. They want to be housewives. Exactly, because that's where you find shelter. You know, that's where you, where you hide from the craziness of the world with your family. You know, with in your home. Yes, of course. Yes. No, it doesn't work exactly. So. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I, <laughs> we, of course, they use corporal punishment on me and my, my siblings. Of course, that's a given. And, and my, all my cousins got corporal punishment. I can tell you that. Um, and I heard people criticize it because I, in a chat, there was a, precisely a Canadian that they were, they were saying how we still use corporal punishment in Mexico. Like she was kind of criticizing that, but I, what I wanted to respond is, first and foremost, it didn't kill me. It made me, I can tell you what it did to me. It made me extremely afraid to deviate from the path. I will never dare to, I wouldn't lie, I wouldn't cheat, I wouldn't steal, because I was so afraid of my dad. I was extremely afraid of my dad. I, I wouldn't dare to do anything like that. He, it made me, maybe there are other ways to make a very good, I mean, a good human being. I'm, I'm not saying I'm the best human being, but I can tell you um, I'm very honest, extremely. I'm very hardworking. Uh, I, I, I don't like to cheat, you know, like normal moral values that a human should have. So maybe, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I can tell you it worked for me. <laughs> Any work for my siblings, any Yes, definitely, definitely. Uh, I can. What I was gonna tell you is that I, uh, what I see is that all my cousins. I have a, a, a super, I mean, big family. Ten, nine. My mom had nine siblings. My father had nine siblings. So I have tons of cousins, and I can tell you that all we all got corporal punishment. I can tell you, no one of my cousins has ever been in jail. No one. No one of my cousins has a drug addict. Is a drug addict. None of them are alcoholics. Like they are good people. They have, pro they are doctors, lawyers. Um, one of my cousins, she places a cochlear implants in children here in children's here in, in, in Mexico is there. And they, they even lost their, their parent. They were orphans because the parent, his, my uncle died, but they were just brought up in very strict, with very strict, you know, moral values and yes, corporal punishment. So from my experience, it didn't kill us. It, I mean, I think it's it, you do more damage when you do, do zero parenting, when you do way more parenting. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Because it's easier. It's easier, Neil. It's not easy to have uh, good dual children. It, 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 it's work. And that's why a lot of people don't want to have children now, because it, it involves you giving from you giving. It's giving. 
Yes. What I can see here in Mexico is more drinking alcohol. I've never, I've never, I, I told you I grew up very conservative, middle class. I never saw anybody using drugs. Never, never. And even, even now where I live, I don't, I don't, I don't know anybody that uses drugs, uh, but they drink, especially, you know, we always throw parties. There's, I mean, we like to party. Yes, exactly. It is very strong. Yes, but but if you like, okay, if you, I mean, if you come to one of the parties, you don't, you see people still like talking and having fun and dancing. It's not like they are on the on the on the floor passed out. It's like I don't know. It's like they know how to keep it going for a long time. I don't know how, but they they really mean Mexicans know how to keep it going until six a.m. in the morning, but. In the versus, okay, I'm going to tell you one of my first experiences in Texas. I went, they invited me to a party. It was like 20. And uh, I had gone to school in Mexico my whole life. So I went to a party and it was people around 21 years old, you know, something like that. And everybody, it was in a house and everybody was, they were all in rooms doing something like some kind of drug. And I just, I remember thinking, what am I doing here? This is not my, uh, what what kind of world is this? You know, I've never been, I've never been exposed to that, that people doing drugs, never. My friends didn't even drink in high school. My fe female friends never smoke or drink. Very, very conservative. So I was kind of scared because I didn't even drink either. So, so it was, a, it was a big culture shock. The first big culture shock for me, that was that party. And of course I left. I mean, I was there for an hour, but I, I was alone, like in a living room and everybody was in room. So I just left. So working in the hospitals, I've noticed a lot of people are addicted to morphine, morphine, Oxycontin, like, like, uh, prescribed medications. Uh, and of course, many of them coming into the hospital use cocaine, uh, hard drugs. In Mexico, it's a, uh, uh -huh. go ahead. Of course, yes, much less. Oh, okay, and I, and I, and I, I've overanalyzed that issue. Believe me, I thought and thought and thought about it. And and my conclusions had been, is it either boredom or they bore? Because I always think about this phrase, obi. Hugo, the, the French writer, he said, adversity creates men, prosperity creates monsters. So I'm thinking, do they have plenty of everything that they are bored? Is there not enough parental presence in their lives, scrutinizing their moves? Because I had a lot of parental presence. Believe me, if I was 10 minutes late from school, I got a spanking. And I'm not kidding you. I had to be, I know I, my father was like so strict. So I didn't have a chance. There was no way I was going to do anything wrong because they were, they were on top of us. So what do you think? Well, what if, what if, like I was telling you, maybe when, I don't know if it, if it has to do with the fact that in, that's an example in the U.S., even if you are poor the government will help you out so there's really not a lot of need for you to strive that much like in a country as mexico that my my as an example my mother she was so poor so poor 
but she that's why she wanted she ended up with like three degrees because she however she could she was going to get of that poverty out of that poverty so she had that drive that extreme drive because she grew up so poor so and nobody gives you anything so you know either you save yourself or nobody's going to save you save yourself save you so maybe if you find if you, if that is that that is the opportunity is given to you that they are going to save you why will you strive so hard that's what i that's what i think because like i told you adversity creates men so at times i now i understand that some adversity is good for 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 these children or for the young people okay it's okay exactly well even even let's say there was no christianity no moral values it will be very naive to believe that there are no consequences with promiscuity uh you have consequences consequences at different levels neil uh, you have consequences at physical levels because you have you are sharing literally your body with someone else there are diseases that you can get or you can give diseases of course so then the energy uh i i i've read and i've understood that you keep that energy of the person you were with so it's a, it's an it's a huge exchange a huge exchange between you and that person so if you think about that even if if it, it, it i don't know even if christianity didn't exist you have to think twice about who you are with and i believe the more partners you have the more empty you become inside exactly exactly it is very naive to think so but i observed like in um especially touristy areas that uh, west some western females have dressed extremely skimpy like super 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 short shorts um tank tops exposing almost like their breath that they are more free or something like that look at us we are free no something like that wow i remember the last time i went to san cristobal de las casas which is in chiapas the state of chiapas it's um is not hot at all at all it's maybe 16 degrees celsius so female women women especially if you look around in mexico we tend to dress conservatively we don't show a lot of skin and uh, one of the things is that you, we always think about the children for a child to see a lot of a uh, cleavage or uh, someone with short short shorts it's a lot it's a lot neil for an 8 year old for a 10 year old for an so first and foremost you have to respect the children how are you dressing for the children i mean it's you need to stop thinking of uh maybe it's too individualistic the way they think instead of more a little bit more collectivism more collectivism like okay how am i affecting the collective here you know and and i i feel offended like when i see so see a woman like that and i'm with my child and my husband I feel offended because you're disrespecting my family. And I'm again I'm not trying to offend anybody, but that's how I see it. And it seems like they don't they are oblivious to this. 
because again, they are only paying attention to themselves in the, in the culture, their culture, not, not anybody else's culture. Yes, uh, 100%. I, I understand. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, no, I, I agree. To me, to me, the, the family, it's, it's what needs to be protected. And uh, it is the most, it, it, there's nothing more important than your family, period. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Because everything else can be replaced. Mm, well, it, uh, to me, it's not. It's actually where you, it's your nest, it's where you go and, 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 and shelter from the world, like I told you earlier. That's where you find love. That's where you find compassion. That's where you, they, if you fall, they will pick you up. They won't let you fall. And I'm talking about your, your, your whole family should be like that. Even extended family, they should help you, you know, help you out at all times. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks, Neil. And if I can just... No, you're welcome. And if I can just say something to my Western sisters, it will be, don't be afraid to have children. Don't be afraid to have a family because it's, it's what's, what's going to sustain you, especially when you, when we get older, they love you. The, the children love you. Children uh, make you proud. I mean, it's, it's, it's the biggest gift a, a woman can have a child. And that's your inheritance. I'm Neil McDougall, and as painful as it is, Logos is definitely rising. Gossett, I think we have to deal with it in an actual concrete form, which by which I mean the historical reality of it, as opposed to some type of platonic uh, notion of what it is uh, ideally. Uh, so to begin uh, that discussion, I'd like to talk about an incident that I've talked about before uh, in March of 2002, the Israeli uh, Defense Force invaded Ramallah, part of the intifada that was going on at that time, and uh, took over the city, uh, which was normal. And then they did something that was a little bit out of the ordinary. They took over the TV stations. And after they took over the TV stations, they started broadcasting pornography. Now, uh, this uh, was the only way <clears throat> that the Palestinians had to have contact with the outside world. They could not go outside. Uh, there were snipers stationed on the hospital there. Uh, they would have been shot if they'd gone outside. And there, the only way they could access is through television, and they were broadcasting pornography. Now, a lot of people were puzzled by this, and including a lot of the Palestinians. Why would they want to do this? Now, I'm saying that from the perspective of uh, America, the American empire, uh, there is only one explanation for pornography, and that is freedom. Uh, I can cite two examples uh, that were important in this regard. Uh, in uh, or the early 90s, when uh, Clinton was in the White House and where they were debating the, the, uh, uh, the Communications Decency Act, Hollywood produced two films. One was called Boogie Nights. Uh, one was called The People versus Larry Flint. 
Both of them were pro-pornography uh, pieces of propaganda. And the gist of it came in the Larry Flint film where he said, basically, unless I'm free to uh, promote pornography, no one's free. Now, this uh, is a, it's a standard uh, explanation, but then how does it apply to what happened in Ramallah? In order to apply it to Ramallah, we have to uh, think that the Israelis are trying to bring freedom to the Palestinians. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, you don't conquer people with an army to bring freedom to them. It's the exact opposite. They're trying to control them. They're trying to control the Palestinians, and pornography is a form of control, a sophisticated form of control. Now, where, how can we explain this? Well, we can't explain it from contemporary sources. We have to go back farther, uh, actually back to Gaza, uh, uh, back to the Bible. There's an account in the Bible of Samson. Samson was the mightiest warrior that Israel had at that time. No one could defeat him in battle, but he had a weakness, and his weakness was lust. And so they sent their agent Delilah to seduce him, and Samson ended up eyeless in Gaza, grinding at the mill with slaves. That's John Milton's term for him. Eyeless in Gaza, grinding at the mill with slaves, because after she cut off uh, his hair, Delilah gouged out his eyes. Now, there is a profound truth in this image, a profound truth in this biblical story, uh, because as St. Thomas Aquinas would say about a thousand, over a thousand years later, Lust makes you blind. Lust divides the will and it darkens the intellect. It makes you blind. And now I think we're starting to see some sense of why the Israelis broadcast pornography. They did it because a blind enemy is an enemy that's easily conquered. If the Palestinians could be focused on their passions as opposed to their oppression, they would be easily uh, ruled, uh, easily conquered and easily ruled. That's the principle here behind pornography. Nothing has changed since the time that uh, Samson and Delilah got involved in this type of thing. So as of 2019, you had an entire generation uh, the generation of the 20-year-olds and the 30-year-olds that had been basically raised on pornography, and they realized that they were slaves. They realized it. They knew it. They knew there was something wrong, and so they organized something called NoFap November, uh, which was basically a boycott of pornography and the activity that pornography was supposed to facilitate. They did this. They did this on their own. It was spontaneous. I didn't organize it. But I did have, I think, something to do with it because I had written a book uh, 25 years before that time uh, called Libido Dominandi, uh, Sexual Liberation and Political Control. And I realized that with the internet now, I could get on and simply say sexual liberation is a form of political control. And people would understand what I'm talking about because they were living it. That was the experience that they had lived. They were living that experience right now. They knew they were slaves to their own passions. They knew that their whole generation had been, in a sense, sidelined by pornography and student loan debt, and that they couldn't form their lives. They couldn't start their lives. I mean, by starting your life, I mean starting your life as an adult, which meant getting married 
in having children. And so the protest broke out. The, it it got, uh, uh, got some publicity. And at this point, Rolling Stone got a hold of it. And they did an article on this. And they said that these people were basically anti-Semites, the, uh, uh, the ultimate insult, the ultimate uh, uh, conversation stopper. That's where it stopped. In 2019, it's been superseded uh, by other things like the COVID pandemic and all the other type of stuff, but it hasn't gone away and it's not going to go away because it's being used to cripple this generation. And the only way they're going to wake, uh, get break out of that bondage is by understand what happened to them. Yourself to the limit of 